0: Good morning, everyone. It's Judith Eck. Hope you're listening to Mad Love. Happy Wednesday. <sighs> what are we going to do? I have had a tough emotional week. I'm not really sure why. Um, you know, I, got, I think you just reach a point where you know it's, it's time to make a change or do something differently. And I feel like that's happening in multiple areas of my life. And, you know, I just got to work it out. In the meantime, I still have to get up and go to work. I still have to take care of people. There's still things that I have to do. You know, when you're young, you always think, oh, I'm going to have all this time. And life is going to slow down while I, you know, figure it all out. It just never does. It never stops. So you have to be, um, you have to keep making moves, even when you'd like to just take a break. So I think that's probably like one of the bigger challenges as an adult. Um, And plus, nobody teaches you shit that will help you be an adult. You know, you're so busy learning math and English, which, okay, basic math definitely has its place in life. But a lot of times, you know, it's like, could you also put in a class that has something to do with, like, you know, life and figuring things out and, you know, coping? That's why all these people on YouTube and, and podcasts, you know, that's why people are flocking to the motivational people you know like a Gary V who is the reason why I'm doing this podcast in the first place uh Tony Robbins uh Ed Milette, um the list goes on and on you can find Tom Bilyeu you can find them all over YouTube with hundreds of thousands of views because people are just craving this kind of knowledge like how do I do this thing called living and how can I be great at it you know And it's important to be great at things i think and living a life is is challenging because the way we've constructed our society is the best way to live your best life is to have a little money you need a little bread you know to make things happen and uh you know it's hard especially now because people are so hijacked in their thinking it's like you feel like you have to have 100 million dollars to be wealthy um, when in reality, most people, I think the study I read says most people feel wealthy if they can make $75,000 a year. They feel comfortable and able to pay all their bills and stuff. And that's all people really want is to pay all their bills. But as long as, you know, you keep bleeding the public school system and we're just not giving everybody a shot at getting 75, the jobs are out there. That's such a myth. If you know how to do anything with a computer, code. Uh, All those jobs are open. I don't even know what they do. Front end developer, back end developer. All those jobs are out there. I see them all the time. You can work from home. You can make a ton of cash. And it's like, you know, we're just under educating our kids for the jobs that are available. That will be the majority of the jobs in the future. And it's like, come on. We know what the problems are, and yet no one's interested in really fixing them. That's why I get frustrated with people talking about they're going to reform things. It's like, you know, first of all, you need to fully understand what the issues are before you can fix them, and then when you go to fix them, like, really fix them. Fix them. Don't break them even further. I don't, I just don't understand. I really don't get it. I was thinking about some of the jobs I've had. You know, it's interesting <laughs> Like I told you guys yesterday, I I blind-pitched a Hollywood legend. What's funny is I had to go back into my brain way, way back, way back. And about this time, uh, the summer of 1990, I was in L.A. And Peter Goober and his company, uh, which was Goober Peters at that time, his partner was John Peters, they were headquartered on the Warner lot. And that's where I went to do my internship. Um and so I I don't recall being in a room with them but a lot of the execs that have gone on to great success um I was in the room with but I was their secretary or you know fill in assistant but I'll be honest it was one of the more interesting times of my life and I know now as a grown woman that I wasn't emotionally ready for the success that I believe uh I deserve that I know is coming um Because to be on that level, I mean, you need to be full grown and you need to know who you are. Because if you let an industry like Hollywood determine who you are and tell you who you are, you're going to be in a world of hurt. And so, yeah, I was 19, about to turn 20. No, 20, about to turn 21, uh, making tons of photocopies and faxes. Ooh, I was working a fax machine and, um, you know. Uh, I remember one of the execs I worked for was Jim Henson's daughter and there was some scuttlebutt at the time that she was, you know, being groomed to be a bigger, bigger deal at the studio than she was. But her dad suddenly died without a will. I'm telling you, I have never seen so many zeros in my life. And they were like, don't read any of the correspondence off the fax machine. I was like, oh, okay. And I'd round the corner, of course, read everything. I mean, I've never seen so many zeros. I think she retired. Uh, understandably, um, uh, after a couple of projects, I don't think I ever heard her name mentioned again. So she was able to probably take her inheritance and, and live quite well. Um, uh, but I learned a lot. I learned about money. I learned about how much money there is in the entertainment industry. Um, I learned why there aren't very many black films. <laughs> there were like no black executives, um, and almost everybody was related to somebody. Uh, that was interesting. So there was Courtney Valenti, who was Jack Valenti's daughter. And at that time, Jack Valenti ran the MPAA and, and was very powerful. So it's like, okay, and then Jim Henson's daughter. And then a couple of other people who were related to somebody else. And then you just had people who were standouts. I did meet Benny Medina, uh, who... who I was one of the first people to see Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Uh, they had it was like one of my last days at work, and me and another intern, we were like, "Please let us watch, you know, the new shows." <laughs> and she didn't really want us to do it, you know. She was like, "You should be working." And we we're like, "Come on, dude! I'm going back to college, so let me watch this TV show." And I remember really enjoying it. I uh, I was one of the first people to see Fresh Prince of Bel Air. And uh, nobody was watching us watch it. So I don't think they cared what I thought. But I did think it was funny. So I've had an interesting life. You know, I can't complain. I was really young uh, and young enough to know that I wasn't ready (laughs) to be successful on that level. Um, Because they're vultures, baby. They're coming for your throat. Protect your neck. I mean, they want to make money with you, but they will use you and throw you on the side of the road keep it moving and I was so naive I was just so young I thought everything was about being talented and there is a part of it that is you know dedicated to being talented like it's reserved for talent but the other part of it is hustle and savvy and not letting nobody get one over on you and I was really young so and naive and girls are at an extra disadvantage because we're never encouraged to be cutthroat we're never encouraged to stand up for ourselves you know we don't even think to ask for raises I know people right now who are legitimately doing twice the amount of work that they used to do and it just never really dawned on them to be like hey maybe I should ask for more money (laughs) It's like, yeah, there are a lot of men who would never think to not ask. That would be the first ask. So, yeah, it's just it's fascinating. I um, I really hope something works out. Of course, you guys will know uh, if it does. But, you know, I felt good about the pitch and I feel like I'm a grown up. And the the best thing about being a writer, for those of you who, that, who are creative or are thinking about doing something creative, is Uh, you need to have experiences to back it up. Otherwise, people will will feel that it's not authentic. And, you know, if someone had told me from that summer till now that it would take this long to actually feel like I was ready, I'm not kidding you, I would have killed myself. I just would not have been able to conceive waiting this long. But now that I have, uh, it's cool. I'm ready. I really am. I feel ready. I feel prepared by company. I bring value to the table that I couldn't have brought when I was 20. And I think for some reason we live in a society where everybody worships uh, the youth, but youth really is wasted on the young. And look at all the people who hit it big at 2021 20, and either didn't make it, um, whether literally or figuratively like they had one hit and you never heard from them or they were on one tv show and they disappeared after being the it person for three years you know what i mean like we live in a society that worships um people until they don't you know it's strange uh and we have a project called fame machine that is really all about that so uh the culprit manifest produced a record probably two years ago actually it was supposed to be out three years ago but it wound up coming out three years ago and um, that's a story for another day and uh, that's what it's all about it's about driving to California getting your dreams kicked off uh, becoming successful and then almost losing your life because you weren't really emotionally prepared to be successful and uh, how many of us can be it's not like there's a class on it so yeah the fame machine is pretty much about what I I avoided a fame machine not that I was close to getting famous but had I been a different person had I been more gregarious and outgoing and uh, trying to make connections outside of just being a great writer and I could have gone down some really dark paths yeah hashtag me too but it didn't happen for me that way mainly because god is watching over me there's a hedge of protection because you get out there and you do get desperate and you do feel like man i could just if i just did this one thing you know you know i i could make it if i just you know basically suck this one dude off i might get a a deal You know, and look at the countless numbers of people who probably did things like that and didn't get a record deal or didn't get a film deal. You know, like, it's that kind of business. It's greasy. And you've got to find people who are honest and upright and will do what they say. So that's a big pitch for me and my company, which is I'm going to pay you what you're supposed to be paid. I'm not going to let anybody do harm to you. And we're going to, you know, be successful together. Um... And I don't know if that means anything to the people I've told that to, but uh, it it means everything to me. You will not come in harm's way on my set. You will not be in harm's way in my studios. Like, I'm going to look out for you, and if something happens to you, you tell me, and it will be fixed. Because that's who I am. And that's who I would have wanted to be with me when I was 19, 20, out there with these vultures, man. And they are vultures. And I'm good with it. Just pay me my money. (laughs) I know who you are. I respect you. I'm a fan. But pay me my money and respect my boundaries. And we'll be all good. We'll just meet at the bank. We'll just meet at the bank. Hey, everyone. I'm not sure if uh, we have a lot of new listeners. And I'm not sure if this has translated over the podcast. So I'm going to say it again. The track Billboard off of the California EP. So the California EP was my concept. I went to the to the guys and I was like, look, I spent this time in California uh, many years ago with a clear mission of making movies and you know, a byproduct of that would be getting famous. Um, but as I was trying to do that for myself, I was watching what other people were willing to do to get famous. I was soaking up that culture. I was, uh, learning things and seeing things and witnessing things. So, uh, I told some stories like I'm want to do. And, um, We came up with the California EP, um, which is sort of our audio tribute to such a diverse and interesting state. One of those songs is called Billboard, and that was directly related to uh, me and one of my friends. Uh, We used to go. uh, I was staying with her until I wore out my welcome (laughs) (laughs) But I was staying with her in her apartment and we were roommates in college too. So, you know, we've spent a good chunk of our early friendship living together. And one of the things she used to like to do is go drive down Sunset to look at the billboards. And I don't know if that's still a big deal now, but in the 90s, that was so much fun. And you could go see like the latest movies, like getting a billboard on Sunset was a huge deal. And one of them we used to like to look at for obvious reasons was Marky Mark. And he was doing his Calvin Klein underwear thing. And so it was nice. But I remember vividly thinking, what what won't people do for a billboard? You know, I've, I was hearing all these stories about how people got their record deals, uh, how people made it by, you know, having sex with the directors and, and I was just like, dude, I just, I didn't never even occurred to me to put my vagina on the, uh, negotiation table. I was so naive. I really believed it was about talent and who could write and who could sing or whatever. So, uh, anyway, the, I love the whole EP. Um, it's sort of got a musical journey through California feel to me. Um, but my track that has the most personal feel based off the stories I was telling about going to look at the billboards. Um, there's an early acoustic version that we never released. Uh, it was something I did by myself actually for, uh, Zeus, my nephew, Jeremy. But, uh, when manifest came about, they were like, what's this? And I was pitching it and I played it and they were like, oh, it's not bad. Let's, you know, let's just turn it into a manifest track though so that's what it is so that's what uh, this track is all about it has a lot of meaning uh to me because it's about what people will and will not do to get famous and a lot of people are out here doing what you would consider unthinkable they done did it and they are out here on your tv screens Filmo What did you- I can say